Good morning, everybody. Why don't we take our seats? Excited. Well, we are in the Gospel of John. If you've been following along with us, we're in chapters 11 and 12 today. And uh, I just want to say before I start preaching, I am so excited for our Kalos camping trip. Camp Kalos, if you will. And uh, today is the last day to officially sign up, so please do that on our website. We would love to party with you. And uh, before I get into my message, I just want to ask, is there anybody here at the Hilton Garden Inn for the first or second time here? It should be all of us, because this is only our second week here. <laughs> Not singling out anybody. That's literally the most inclusive thing I could say ever. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's been amazing to transition with all of you into this new venue. It's already feeling peaceful and like a new home for us. And God's been doing amazing things in this place. And uh, I'm excited. And so we're going to jump in, and I'm going to be preaching through the, the chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. And uh, I, I just want to start off by stating that there are times in our life when we are trying to make a fresh start, find a new beginning, and then our past haunts us. Our past tries to catch up to us. Maybe it's through someone else. Maybe it's through a habit. And our new beginnings can be threatened in their infancy. And there's a story in John I want to share that resonates with me when it comes to our new beginnings being threatened. In John 11, it says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The title of my message today is Undress for Freedom. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, ever since we started services here at the Hilton Garden Inn, uh, I've been making a lot of nude jokes. And I, I just want to apologize in advance, especially as I start a sermon called Undress for Freedom. But it's the whole idea of the garden in and working out what kind of catchphrases or puns can we use and back to the garden. And we all know Adam and Eve in the garden were both naked and unashamed and all the married people said amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. <laughs> and uh, today we're talking about Lazarus who's in a interesting situation. He's raised from the dead and he's wearing grave clothes. And then Jesus says to the people around, hey, he is wrapped up in grave clothes, cut him loose, and let him go. And as you research the story, you realize there wasn't like a backup outfit under the grave clothes. You remove those grave clothes, you're going to see a naked man. And so that's what we're going to be diving in today. And I want to ask you this question, and don't be alarmed, it's going to be very PG this morning. If there are any children here, and we are not that weird of a church, we are a weird church. We do enjoy <laughs> puns, and so if you don't like puns, this 
might be a troubling church for you, but we're just going to see what the scriptures have for us today. And this whole wardrobe change that Lazarus has, I think, can speak to us where we are today. And I want to ask you this. Have you ever had an outfit that you like but nobody else likes? Have you ever had maybe a favorite hat or a favorite shirt that you like but maybe your spouse, someone you're dating, or a friend is like, why are you wearing that again? Why do you like that? Maybe you've had some green, like, olive-colored pants that you like to wear, but your spouse doesn't like it. And maybe you have, like, a matching green sweater that's a, the same kind of olive color, and your spouse doesn't like it. She says, when you wear those green clothes, you look like a little turd, pretty bent. I mean, I mean, whoever. Uh, maybe you, you can resonate with that. But sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes we have <laughs> Sometimes we have, we have these outfits that others uh, want to take off of us. Maybe we have these outfits that aren't the best for us. And this is the same thing that's happening with Lazarus. He's having these grave clothes at, that, that smell like death, that need to be removed. And there are times where it's just we have clothes that stink like death. I remember uh, I was on a music missions trip in Puerto Rico. Playing bass guitar, no big deal for this band. Prettyven.com, whatever. Check it out. Just, it's not about me. It's about Jesus, but whatever. And uh, I was in this band, and uh, we're in Puerto Rico, and I, I have these hotel roommates because we'd been traveling around. And uh, during this time, I had uh, these shoes that I love to wear without socks in this warm environment. Now, as you can imagine, these shoes started to smell really, really bad. And my hotel roommates were like, hey, Pradeep, and I know you love those shoes, but tonight in the hotel, you, you cannot bring that in our room because they smell like death. Anybody here have anybody who has shoes that smell like death? Uh, anybody? In, oh, you point, I, I see people pointing at each other. It's a safe place. It's a safe place. And so they're like, you can't, you can't wear those. And so they actually placed, against my will, my shoes in the hotel hallway. And so we go to bed, wake up the next day, and my shoes are not in the hallway. Where are my stinky shoes? I need them. I want to I wanna play bass. And uh, I, I go to the front desk, a hotel like this, and I go, hi, I'm, I'm in this room. Uh, I left some shoes out. Oh, we know who you are. <laughs> what? Well, hey, can I have my shoes? Well, I'm sorry, sir, but we, we have removed your shoes and have no regrets for doing so. You will never have those shoes again. I was like, what? Those are my shoes. They're like, no, they, we've had too many complaints from all the guests in our hotel. And they do. They smell like death. <laughs> Say goodbye. You will never see those shoes again. <laughs> Sometimes we have these articles of clothing that smell like death. And they just need to be removed. And it, it's crazy when it happens with real clothing, like these shoes I had, or maybe it's the real grave clothes that Lazarus was wearing. But sometimes even in our spiritual lives, we are wearing things on our lives, maybe things from our past that smell like death or remind us of our past lives when we used to be living in ways that were not bringing us life, that were just bringing death and pain, that were bringing us darkness and the realities of our life. And this is the scenario that Jesus is brought into. So Lazarus is sick. Lazarus' siblings, Mary and Martha, are like, Jesus, hey, can you come uh, pray for our brother. We know you love him. Will you pray for him? Because he's, he's going to die. And the scriptures say that Jesus did not hurry. 
He, in fact, waited two days, and by the time he got to the body of Lazarus, he had been dead for four days. In fact, the siblings of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, said, Jesus, if you would have been here in time, our brother would not have died. Have you ever felt like you're praying to God and his timing is just not your time, and you're like, God, hurry up. <laughs> I'm praying. These these two would have related to that. And this is a big deal because by the time he got to the dead body, it had been four days. And in Jewish superstition, like 2,000 years ago, when a, a body was dead, the spirit of that person would hover above the body or around the body for about three days. And by the time it was the fourth day, it was like, that spirit is not coming back into the body. There is no hope. There is no miracle. It's over. And this is the scenario that Jesus approaches. And uh, they bring Jesus to the body of Lazarus. And Jesus, when seen where Lazarus is, it says in the scripture, I think it's the smallest scripture, it says, Jesus wept. And we know that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. We just read that scripture. But I, I love this insight into the life of Jesus, where he wept over the tragedy that he knew he was going to reverse in a moment. It tells us that even though Jesus is supernatural and all-powerful, even though he knows the beginning from the end, he's able to enter our situation and weep with us and care about us, and that our emotions are valid. It's not what I'm preaching about today, but I think I'm just encouraged by that. And, and so he goes to this tomb. It's really sad. Even Jesus is weeping, but he says he's three powerful statements. He says, hey, take away that stone. And they're hesitant. They're like, that body's been dead four days. It's going to be really stinky. But Jesus says, uh, take away. In fact, in the King James Version of the Bible, uh, they say, it's, it stinketh. And I mean, that's a pinkies up kind of phrase. But Jesus, it stinketh. <laughs> and then Jesus says another powerful phrase. He says, hey, come out, Lazarus. And this is so powerful because Lazarus does come out. He's raised. He's resurrected. And right before this, Jesus says one of the I am statements we find in the Gospel of John. And if you've been following along with us this summer, we've been going through some of these I am statements like I am the good shepherd last week. I am the gate. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, all who believe in me, they're not going to die. They will experience life. And so he says, come out, Lazarus. And Lazarus is raised from the dead, and it's just this amazing miracle. And then the third thing he says is, hey, go take off his grave clothes and let him go. Because it says that Lazarus was wrapped up in, in linen grave cloths around his hands, around his feet, around his head. And in some traditions, they, they say that he was so wrapped up that he was not able to even walk by himself. He was not able to get out of that grave by himself. And some traditions would say, Lazarus, not only was he raised to life, he levitated out and away from that grave. And it's really crazy, supernatural miracle. And I, I want to focus on this third statement. Jesus commands, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And I, I think this is so important because here Lazarus is dead, but he has a new beginning. He's raised to life, but already in the infancy of this new beginning, his freedom is threatened because he's bound by grave clothes. And I don't, I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but there are times where I'm trying to have a fresh start. I'm trying to make a new beginning, but my past creeps up on me. 
Maybe it's in the form of habits. Maybe it's in the form of addictions. Maybe it's in the form of relationships. It's just like, I'm, I'm new. I've prayed this prayer. I've accepted Jesus in my life. Maybe I started going to church, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to live right. I'm going to live for you. I want to be a carrier of light and peace and life. But then it's like all these stenches of death are on me. All these habits of being trapped are on me, and I'm just, I'm alive in my heart, but I'm stuck on the outside. Have you ever felt alive or free on the inside, but trapped on the outside? It's like, you know, Jesus has done something on the inside of your heart, but nobody around you seems to recognize it or acknowledge it. You're like, I'm different. I'm alive. I was dead. Don't hold me back. You know, when I see wet cement, a new beginning, if you're like me, I love to step in it. I love to put my handprint in it. I love to write my full name, Pradeepin Jeeva Manoharan Sivaretnam, all over that small sidewalk square. And I I totally ruin it. And maybe you've experienced that in your life. You're having a new beginning. Your heart is wet cement, and it seems like people are trying to put their fingerprints all over it. They're trying to, your past is trying to say, no, 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 this is who you are. These are the grave clothes. You need to keep them on. And we are all victims. And I've noticed that, like, you know, sometimes our our fresh starts create vulnerable hearts where people try to put their imprints on us. And today, I just want to encourage all of us who are in this place where we are wanting to have a new day. And uh, Becca, right before I preached, she said, for Lazarus, it wasn't just a new day. It was a nude day because they took (laughs) off the grave clothes. Thank you for that, Becca. Thank you. Can we give Becca a round of applause? (laughs) And so if you've ever felt free on the inside but trapped on the outside, this message is for you. And I just want to start by saying I resonate with Lazarus because he needed a wardrobe change. And, And some of us, we need a wardrobe change. We've started following Jesus. We've given Jesus our hearts, our life. We've become new creations, but we're still wearing these grave clothes. And I want to encourage all of us to take off our grave clothes and put on grace clothes. Take off our grave clothes and put on our grace clothes. And uh, there's this scripture in Colossians 3 that kind of uses the same imagery of a wardrobe change and changing and being more like Christ. So Colossians 3, it says this, since then, you have been raised with Christ, just like Lazarus was raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also you will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since, here, watch this, watch this. You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. We need to put off our grave clothes and put on our grace clothes. You know, some of us, 
we, we believe in salvation. We need to give our lives to God. But other of us are hesitant with the idea of transformation, where Jesus, you have saved me, but now Jesus, lead me, change me. And we've bought into this idea of time, at times where the gospel shouldn't change the way I live. I accept Jesus in my life, and I live how I want. But when we say the gospel doesn't change us, if you say the gospel doesn't change me, then you've changed the gospel. Because we are called not to live as we have always lived, but to live as new creations, following the ways and the patterns and the thoughts of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying you earn your salvation through works and good behavior. No, the root of our salvation is a free gift. We confess our sins to God. We, we receive this gift where he gives us life and life abundantly. Lazarus didn't have to do anything to be resurrected. He was just resurrected. It's a free gift. But once we are alive in Christ, we need to have a wardrobe change where we put off our old self and put on our new self. And so the root of our salvation is free. But the fruit of our salvation should be a life that's transformed, where our behavior is conformed into the image of Christ, where we start to sound and look and act and talk like Jesus. Amen? You know, there are so many things that changed in my life when I gave my life to Jesus, where I, I pray, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to surrender my life. There are things that immediately changed in my life, like rage and violent behavior. There are other things in my life where I'm still working through them daily. Uh, Amrita's best friend was actually in the first service. She's visiting from Colorado Springs, best friend from college. And uh, I remember when I was... First falling in like with Amritha, and we were not dating, but we were friends and kind of checking each other out. Uh, we uh, got invited, a bunch of our friends, we, or a bunch of my friends got invited to Amritha and Beth's place. And they're hosting this party, but I had this bad habit where I love to steal. Anybody with me? Yeah, during his year. Come on. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I would steal, you know. <laughs> back, back before I was Christian, I used to steal like tens and thousands of dollars worth of clothing and things like that. So I just had fun stealing. And so I go to their house and I'm like, so, you know, I haven't been Christian that long, but I would go there and I'd never met Amrita's friend. And Amrita had always dreamt about dating a guy where her best friend also liked her. That was not our scenario. Why? Because of what I'm about to tell you. Every time I would go to their house, I would steal a random object, like uh, a remote control so they couldn't adjust the TV. I would uh, steal. This was the thing that actually made her cry and get very angry at me. I, I stole pictures of her nephews and nieces and all the family pictures so that I know, hey, don't judge me. <laughs> I, those are my grave clothes, all right? <laughs> don't judge me. Don't, don't act like you're better than me. You, I know you guys. Do you do that too? <laughs> so so I, would, I, would, I would steal these pictures, and she would just be like, uh, she had never met me. And so Amrita, who's this guy you like? Why is he stealing all my pictures of my, my family? And there's no real good explanation for that. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of funny. But I, honestly, I had to learn as a Christian, as someone who follows Jesus, like, I can't steal anymore. 
I can't live the way that I, I used to live. Like, I need to conform to the knowledge and image of Jesus Christ. I can't treat people the way I used to treat them. I can't be this mean, angry, gossip person anymore. I need to replace my clothes. I need a wardrobe change. And so this idea of repentance in the scriptures is throughout where when we have an encounter with Jesus, we are not left the same. Repentance is not just like having this emotional experience, but it's literally saying, Jesus, I acknowledge you and I'm going to change my ways. I'm sorry for what I've done in the past. And so I'm going to change the way I live my course. Repentance is not when you cry, but when you change. And this is what we're called to do when we take off our grave clothes and put on our grace clothes. Why? Because if you think the gospel shouldn't change you, you've changed the gospel. And so some of us, we need to mature in our Christianity. We're alive, but we're not free. We're alive, but we're still stuck. We're alive, but we're still wearing the grave clothes, just like Lazarus is. I mean, even as we look at this Colossian scripture, do any of these resonate with you? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, lying to each other. No, we need to take those things off and put on Christ. Amen. And for those of us who are in the process, well done. That's so good. Even if you're still working things out, that's exactly how you should be. The moment you think you're done working, I, I think is the moment you've stopped working. You know, and uh, hey, slow progress is better than no progress. Amen? And maybe you're not where you should be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. Amen? Amen. It's the grace of God. And so we are in need of a wardrobe change. And I, I want to share this, kind of adding on to it in the scripture. We see that Jesus said to them, everybody say them. them. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And what I see here is that we need to change, but we don't change alone. We need to change, but we don't change alone. Yes, we want to be the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly, but in our Christian faith, our cocoon has roommates. As we change, our dressing, our wardrobe dressing room door is wide open. Not literally, Randall, but we need to have the dressing room door open when we change. We don't do this alone. We don't do this alone. <laughs> That struck too much of a chord with you. <laughs> you know, my, my, my son, he, uh, he's three years old, and recently he's insisted on changing his own clothes in the morning, which is not working, okay? So usually I'll I, I get, I get him ready, get him up, change his diaper, put on some pants, socks, shoes, put on a shirt. You know what dressing is, and uh, <laughs> I'm describing that. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he, he sometimes, though, 
he, he's trying to get his own shirt on. It's just not working. Like, I'll get the, the, the hands through the armholes. And then when it comes to the head, he'll, he'll at that moment insist that he does it himself. And so he, he gets that, that, that neck kind of propped in there, and then he pulls the cloth over his eyes, and then he realizes, I'm in the darkness. I am stuck. I am all alone in this world. I have a crushing debt in my life. I wonder if people hate me. I have a sense of impending doom. I, maybe I don't call my mom enough. I'm feeling really guilty for that. Ah, I'm, I'm aching. Ah, my, my best days might be behind me. And I, like he's just, he puts this shirt on and it's like he's stuck and all he can do in that moment is just go, ah! And he just starts screaming. And I'm like, no, son! You're not alone. Dad's here. You were never meant to change alone. You need help. It takes a community. Let me get in there. And so I get in that shirt, and I pull it over his head and onto the nape of his neck, and we just embrace. And I say, this is how our faith operates as well, son. You're not meant to change alone. We are part of a community. It is God and us. Come on, somebody. And he's like, ah, hallelujah, daddy. Hallelujah. You know, though, we, don't we do this in our faith? We're like, I'm going to go to church. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going to sit, listen to a sermon, hear some great music, and then I'm sneaking out. I don't need to do life with anybody. I can just change on my own. It's just me and God, and we will do all the transformation. But this is not what Jesus does in this passage. He does the heavy lifting of resurrecting Lazarus, but then he delegates the rest of it. He says to them, everybody say them, take off his clothes and let him go. I've done my part, now do yours. It's a community effort. Our transformation is a group project. There are roommates in our cocoon. And honestly, some of us, we need to repent of pride. Because we think, hey, I'm just going to work this out with God. You've been addicted too long. You've been a mean person too long. You're not letting anybody call out your stuff for too long. You're giving in to all sorts of impurities for too long. And I know you probably have a good heart. Like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm doing this again. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody because they're going to judge me. They're going to think less of me. Maybe I'll lose my leadership position. And so I'm just going to do this alone. But I'm telling you what, that's not how it was meant to be. And it doesn't work. He said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Can you imagine if Lazarus was like, hey, I'm good. I'm going to take care of this myself. No, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck. And there are so many times where we need to embrace an idea of vulnerability. I think, I think many times we embrace this idea of transparency. Even me as a communicator, as a pastor, there are times where I can be transparent in a sermon, and it can be a form of emotional manipulation. I can be transparent, and I'll just share with you 
an issue, but I won't let you impact me. You can be transparent without being vulnerable. See, transparency is when, hey, I'll, I'll let you see that maybe I'm going through something. I'll be a little vague. Vulnerability is, hey, I'm going to touch that thing that hurts. I'm going to let you touch that thing that hurts. I'm going to let you impact my life. I'm going to let you cause change and transformation in my life. Amen. Transparency, yes, is good. But vulnerability is where we change. There's this quote by Brene Brown. It says, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. If you are stuck, if you feel like you've been trying to walk in your new beginning, I'm going to challenge you. Will you let people into your vulnerable areas? Will you let people be part of your transformation? You know, letting people help you does not make you weak. It makes you wise. And so, so, so they're going to open up this tomb. Jesus says, take away the stone. And their, their first response, remember, is, hey, that, it, it stinketh. That has a bad odor. And, like, I, th I think sometimes many of us don't have close connections with people and we feel lonely and we don't have friendships. It's because we're afraid that they're actually going to see the stinky parts of our hearts. Maybe subconsciously. Maybe we're not even knowingly doing it. But as soon as someone starts to get in, and as soon as someone starts to see the real us, we're like, oh, this is scary. This is too vulnerable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you back. I'm not going to let you in. Yeah, you can see I'm struggling but you can't touch me. I'll be transparent, but I'm not going to be vulnerable. And I, I, I just think some of us, we've been resistant to the idea of community. You know, this is why we create things like small groups. So you can just create an atmosphere where people can connect. This is honestly sometimes why we create positions, even for our dream team, just because we want you on the team. It's not because we're always like stressed out to get something done. We just know that in the context of serving together, you're going to get to know each other and life change and transformation will begin. Are you letting people into your stinky areas? Who knows about the things that you're most ashamed of? Who knows the things that are so ugly in your life? It's amazing the secrets we can keep from even our spouses or our family or our best friends. Some of us are living in a world of our own, and, and people have no idea the pain you're going through, the grief you're dealing with, the shame you're carrying. You'd say, hey, well, as soon as it opens, it's, it stinks. Don't get close. But we need people to get close. This is how Jesus designed us. This is the power of the church. Amen? Amen. It's not only do we need to let people in? I believe that in this idea of community, yes, we can't change alone. And so because of this, we have a responsibility where we are called to change others. We are called to be a part of others' transformation stories. We are called to be part of someone else's testimony. And, and my question is, who is it in your life that you are called to release from their grave clothes? Who is it in your life that is not free, but you know they could be free? Who, who maybe Jesus has done something in their life, 
Maybe you know that they've raised their hands in a, a salvation prayer here at Kalos Church, or they made the decision to follow God, or they're, they're trying to get involved with the church, and they're like alive, and you're seeing this new creation, this new beginning, but they're, they're still bound. And I just began to ask this question in my life, Lord, like, are you waiting on me to set people free? Because if you notice this, like, Jesus does his part and then waits for the people to do theirs. And I think the same principle applies to us today. Jesus does his part. He does the heavy lifting of resurrection. He's the only one who brings salvation, but we are called to set others free. 1 John 1.9 in the scripture says, when we confess our sins to God, he brings us forgiveness. He makes us alive. He gives us that new start. But James 5.16 says, when we confess our faults one to another, we find healing. And it's in this context of community. And I think, you know, in the church, a lot of us pray for this idea of revival. And I don't know if you've ever heard that. But it's like an idea, Lord, we're just praying for a move of God where people will just supernaturally experience your presence and people will be healed and set free. But I, I am all for prayer. I love prayer. I don't think prayer is just preparation for the greater work. I believe prayer is the greater work. But there are some times in our lives where we're called not just to pray for a revival, but we're called to be revival. We're called not just to pray for someone, but to say, hey, I've been praying for you, but I'm going to get in the trenches with your stenches. That's another Becca quote. Right before the sermon, she said that to me. That blew my mind. (laughs) But I'm just saying, do you walk by people or do you walk with people? I mean, when... when, you know, it, it's just when we know someone has a prayer request or a need, do we wait for them to have a special invitation saying, I need help, or do we see a need and take the lead? Mm-hmm. I mean, these grave clothes would have stunk so bad. They would have been dirty. It probably would have pieces of his skin on there. He had been in there for four days. They're afraid to even open up the tomb. And yet, Jesus says, get in there. Get in that stench. Put your hands on it. Bring dignity to this human. Do we just walk by people or walk with people? And so I do. I want to challenge all of us. Yes, we need to let people in and be part of our transformation, but we also need to let people out. We need to get in the the trenches with the stenches. You know, there's this quote by Charles Spurgeon that says, What a man can do for himself, God will not do for him. And what Christian people can do for sinners, they must not expect the Lord to do. They must work themselves according to the ability God has given them up to the point of possibility. And then they may look for divine interposition. So Jesus did his part, and he's waiting for you to do yours. What if God is waiting for me to set people free? You know, this is why we have Kalos Church. We want to make known the beauty of Jesus. And to be honest, this is our second week here at the Hilton Garden Inn. And transitions are stressful. And all my dream teamers said, amen. It's a lot of work. We had to buy the stage. We had to learn how to set up a stage and get that in a truck. We had to figure out what do we do with the kids and how are we going to set up the room. And uh, just a lot of decisions, a lot of moving things around, a lot of stress. And honestly, last week I was feeling a little overwhelmed and like, oh, my goodness, another transition again. It's only been two months we've been in the W. Like, is the church going to die? What's going to happen? But last Sunday, I mean... It was amazing. A couple of people came up to me after our first service here. And one, one man, 
in particular, he came up to me and said, hey, Pradeepin, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah. He said, I, uh, I did not grow up going to the church. In fact, I was, I was raised to be resistant to the church and Jesus and religion. And I, I went to Kalo's church about four weeks ago. It's my first church experience ever in my life. And I, I just want to let you know, I, I like church now. And uh, in fact, I want to give my life to Jesus. Will you baptize me? I'm like, we are called to set people free. Uh, I'm just like, this is amazing. And another person saying like, hey, I've just been struggling with so many things. I've been dealing with these addictions. I haven't really gone to church in my life ever. Will you baptize me? I'm like, what? This is amazing. Three or four people just this week asked for baptism in the midst of this transition. People who had no experience with church or Jesus or faith or this hope that some of us maybe take for granted. And I'm like, this is why we are here. This is why we get in the trenches, why we bring in a huge truck and sometimes run into pillars and have a thousand pound stage that we're trying to figure out how do we get off this truck and okay, I'm gonna lay down my life literally for the gospel. I'll be a ramp to roll down a stage and why we like are figuring out all these details and moving things around and making all these decisions and quite literally stressing and sweating and crying because uh, people's lives are being changed. And as a community, we are part of something amazing where we get to set people free. And I found such encouragement just in those moments, that glimpse of what I could see what God is doing in our city, in our community, in our midst. People are seeing the beauty of Jesus. And I want to be part of more of it. I'm addicted, aren't you? Seeing life change, families changed, people taking off grave clothes and putting on grace clothes, walking in freedom, walking in love, walking in hope, walking in truth. That's what we get to be a part of. And so I, I just want to challenge all of us today, like in our work, in our family, instead of just venting about how people are bad, why don't we get in the trenches and help people take off grave clothes and put on grace clothes? Instead of complaining how maybe we've entered into toxic environments and, and people are unhealthy, why don't we be the ones that are part of their freedom testimony? and their story. Why don't we get in the trenches? It's, I've noticed as a pastor, it's really hard to love people when you're busy judging them. And so instead of judging people, let's, let's, get, let's get that stench on us. Let's get part of that on us. Let's, let's embrace and love people as Jesus has called us to love people. And so I want to challenge you with two things today. Maybe you need to let someone in to help be part of your transformation story. Would you do that? Would you take someone out to coffee and say, hey, you may not like me anymore, but I'm going to share with you the ugliest parts about me. I'm going to do it. Would you let someone in? And maybe some of us here need to let someone out. Take someone out to coffee and say, hey, I, I don't have all the answers for you, and I'm not even here to judge you, but I, I want to let you know I'm, I'm going to walk with you through this mess. I'm going to be a part of your freedom story. Let someone in. Let someone out. Maybe practically it's 
joining a small group when we start them up in September again. Maybe it's joining the dream team, being a part of community. Maybe you need to pray about starting or co-leading a small group this next September. Start praying about that because we're going to look for all sorts of leaders where we can create safe environments. If you're interested in being a small group leader, go to kalos.church slash groups and fill out an interest form. Just saying, hey, I'm interested, but let's be part of letting people in and letting people out. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. Lord, thank you so much that you have taken the dead places in our hearts and made them come alive. Thank you that not only are we alive, but we can be free in Christ, free in community, free in the church. And Lord, for those of us who are dealing with pride because of our shame, I pray that you would help us to allow people to see those areas and not just be transparent, but vulnerable, that we would be changed. For those of us who are noticing that people need help and we're like, I don't know, just thinking about ourselves or we don't want to offend or we don't want to impose. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a passion and strategy to let people out of their grave clothes so that they might put on grace clothes. We pray. And even for those of us who maybe are, I don't know, we, we've been made alive in Christ, but we're still carrying these things from our past. Help us to walk in freedom in your ways, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, before I transition off the stage, I realize not everybody here maybe is walking with Jesus. Maybe you've never received forgiveness from Jesus and you start a fresh start. Maybe you are dead in this moment. You feel like death is one in your heart. Death is one in your life. And you've been leading your own life and it's just, it's not working. I think today would be a great day to say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you help me come alive? Would you give me a new beginning? Jesus, I surrender to you. In first service, we had four people raise their hands saying, Pastor Pradeepan, would you pray for me? I want to have a new beginning in Christ. And I would, I'd love to pray for anybody here who's saying, I need to commit my life to Jesus or recommit. I need to find forgiveness. I need to surrender to the lordship, to the direction of Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hands with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. But if you want to be included in that prayer in a moment, just lift up your hands and I'll pray for you. So why don't we bow our heads right now and close our eyes. But if that's you, you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, would you include me in that prayer? I want forgiveness. I want a fresh start. I want Jesus. I want to come alive. If that's you, on the count of three, would you lift up your hand briefly so I can see it and then just put it down? One, two, three. Amen. Amen. I see your hands. Amen. You can put your hands down if you put it up. Is there anybody else, though, who'd like me to pray for you? Awesome. Thank you for being so bold as to raising your hands. And we're going to pray a prayer all together. The words are going to be on the screens. And we will pray this all at the same time as a community. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for life transformation? For those of us who have been dead, now coming alive. Well, proud of you who rose your hand for that moment. And hey, 
I would love for you, especially if you raise your hand, to fill out this connection card because we don't want you to walk through this journey alone. And we say this all the time, but we don't want to just be a friendly church, but a church of friends. So we'd love to walk through this process with you. Amen. Well, God bless you. Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Pradeepin. Beautiful.